The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. CEOs always wonder if there's any issue that's hiding right under their feet that they aren't aware of, that they can't see, and they're not prepared for that might just blow their business apart. Are any of those hiding under your feet? To answer that question, Dove Barron. Dove, how are you, man? Good, mate. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to serve. It's always good to chat to you, Joel. Hey, well, listen, you too. And, um, you know, you're... uh, this topic is a scary topic because we're gonna we're gonna go places where a lot of CEOs uh, do not want to but need to go. Absolutely. So let's get so going. So often there, these so. things are ignored, and then it's too late. Yeah. So uh, so what's the big issue? What are we uh, What are we referring to? What's the surprise? Well, l- let me just say this: it's the thing you don't expect because what's happening looks like the opposite of what you think. So. You're about to lose your very best people. And people go, what do you mean? Why do you say that? You know, we're paying them well. We're looking after them. We carried them through uh, through the uh, pandemic. How could we possibly lose them? I'm talking about your very best people. I'm talking about your, your top of the top A-class people is the ones you're going to lose. Why? And why is that? Why? Mm-hmm. Well, if you take a look at how they've handled the pandemic, Uh, So these were people who were leading others, and they've done a spectacular job. They've been amazing. They've been wonderful. They've taken care of everybody. They dealt with stuff before it hit the fan. They did great. And the reason for that is because they are A-types, and A-types tend to do very well in high-stress situations. The psychological problem is they compartmentalize their own stuff. Once they compartmentalize their stuff, they can do whatever. And in fact, they will actually perform better than anybody else. They'll perform better than they did before in a crisis. But when that crisis is over, when there's some sense of normalcy, some sense of calm, what happens is those compartments start to open up. And all the stress, they will be caught in a tidal wave of cortisol. It will just flood them, the stress hormone, the adrenal attack will come on them, and you'll see your top people 
drop like flies when things go back to normal. And you're like, what happened? Bob was, or Susan was so amazing. And now why are they, they're falling apart? I don't get it. So, so I'm, I'm not totally following here. So these Good. people love stress. Yep. And when it stops being stressful, uh, they, they, they look for environments where there's stress. No. So th their natural state is to do well in a highly stressful situation. What, what that gives them permission to do is to compartmentalize their own feelings. So whatever's gone on. So let's just take, let's make it, let's make an example. So one of my clients, she is a CEO of a very, one of the, one of the big four accounting firms, right? So she's a big wig. All this hit the fan. And I reached, reached out to her when the pandemic came out. And I said, listen, same thing I said to all my leaders that I guide. You need me now more than ever. And I know that the person you're likely to cut off is the one who you come to for support, but you need me more than ever. And she said, why is that? And I said, because you are going to have to manage and care for your people more than anything. This is a relationship time. She's like, I understand. I get it. You're right. So we continue to work together through the pandemic. It was, I was never doubting it was going to be continued, but we continue to work together. And I'm giving her the strategies and helping her to deal with her team and to deal with herself. And she's doing spectacularly. I mean, rounds of applause from the boards and all the senior partners and everybody's like, oh, it's just, you're amazing, blah, blah, blah. About five months in, she contacts me and she says, I don't know what's going on. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I cannot get my poo in a pile. She goes, I can't think straight. I feel incredibly stressed. She said, I feel like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. I've never had this before. I don't know how to cope. What is going on? I said, are you doing your breathing that I taught you? She goes, yes. Are you using the strategies I've taught you? She said, yes. We went through several of them. Yep, doing them all. I said, ah. So you've got all these things in place. She said, yeah, all things for managing everybody around the crisis. She said, yeah. I said, ah, so does it feel like some things are starting to normalize a little? And she goes, well, you know, people are working remotely, but we've got all the systems in place. And from that point of view, it's quite normal. Yeah. So that's the problem. She goes, why? I said, because you took all of your stress and you moved it to the side to take care of theirs. Once theirs was taken care of, your brain went, oh, there's room now for mine. And you got this tsunami oh, of adrenal response. And that's why you're in this. What, so and so I said, what you have is PTSD. Post, remember that word, post, means it comes after. She's not, so it's now after. So the stress has come over. So it's sort of like there's a vacuum in these people that, that all of a sudden floods with their own stress that they've, they've dealt with it by not dealing with it. And all of a sudden a vacuum opens up and they're sucking in all this. Now this stress that they didn't have before. All the, yeah. That tsunami of stress just comes washing over them and they can't cope and can't focus. Now here's what's fascinating. She was in that place for about two weeks and there was a crisis at work. How do you think she responded? Oh, awesome. She probably, she loved it. She went, she was like, Oh, I'm back. I go, you are not exactly. back. You are not back. We have to deal with this. Now, here's where it, here's where it gets important for, for our listeners here. I said, who's your A-class players? She tells me, I go, how are they doing? She goes, "That I wanted to talk to you about that. She, she says, I've lost three 
of my top people in the last two weeks. Two of them have just went, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. She goes, these were people who, who were spectacular during when, when, the, when the feces hit the fan. They were amazing. She goes, and the three of them have walked. One walked to go somewhere else that was less stressful, and two have just went, I'm out. I'm retiring early. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Oh. This is the time bomb that our listeners are going to have to deal with. So is so you know we can we can jump to this in a second, but you know mm -hmm. just um, real quick, is there a solution or is this an inevitability? Um, it's both. It is an inevitability, but there is a solution. All right. And the solution is to not allow things to go. So as a senior leader, it's going to be easy to go. But they're all right. So why would I interfere with that? That's a good. That's a good question. Because so if you, you mean don't, because, the bomb will go it, off. Because it looks all right doesn't mean it's all right. Exactly. Very yeah. well put. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, this isn't a, this show is not about the uh, the big four accounting firms, but they are in for the shock of their life. I their armies of people are falling apart right beneath their feet. Their ability to recruit is is collapsing. Yep. Uh, they've got some emergency situations that they need to address. And, and I hope they get on top of it. I know that business very well. I'm from that business originally. And, uh, you know, and I'm very worried about that industry. So uh, they're, then they're not doing a great job of it so far, but we'll, you know, whatever for now. But, um, but that's an example of understanding. And because even looking at our industry, not just our people, but our industry, so often we are, we, we settle onto our laurels. We're the best. We're good. We're tops. We don't need to worry about it. And that it, those are the people who need to be the most diligent. So whether your people are the top people who, you're, who are leading for you, you go, we don't have to worry about them. Or whether you're the top because you're the top in the industry, it's so ridiculously easy to fall into complacency. Yeah. And if you do, you're dead in the water. You know, there's a couple. There's a couple of uh, well-known people. Uh, Mark Cuban says, "Work every minute like somebody's uh, working 24 hours to take everything away from you." Annie Groves was known to be the most paranoid guy, the the guy that ran Intel, and and that's why they constantly reinvented. I'm sure Jeff Bezos is rather like that because they constantly yeah. raise the bar and continuously do better and better. Uh, they do not uh, do complacency. That's not part of their deal. Um, I want to get back to the topic you were talking about: uh, post-traumatic stress. I heard a really cool concept called post-traumatic growth syndrome. And, and that is that uh, many people, most entrepreneurial people, in fact, are doing better now than they were doing before the pandemic. And they, because they use the stress the, of the, uh, the stress of the situation and they put it to growth instead of putting it to something that was negative. So you're, you know, you've kind of got that background. Describe that a little better. What do you see? Well, in the context of uh, in the context of others, the simplicity of it is that we all know the stress hormone is called cortisol. Your brain produces cortisol for stress. So you go, well, why does your brain produce cortisol for stress? Well, cortisol is a neurochemical that's released in the brain. When it's released in the brain, blood flows away from some parts of, of the body to other parts. It goes to the it goes to the heart. It goes to it minimizes to other organs, it goes to the lungs, it goes to the extremities, i.e., I'm threatened, I can punch you in the head or I can run away. That's the purpose of cortisol. Cortisol is a very interesting uh, hormone um, because, of course, we want to reduce it in order to feel calmer. 
but we actually need it for focus. So that's the positive side of cortisol, but it's how much. So when we get a flood of it, we actually can't focus. We get caught, we, we move into threat. So when there's too much cortisol, the brain focuses on history. What I mean by that is it's looking back and saying, what was dangerous? What is not safe? It's constantly looking at what was dangerous, what's not safe, and saying, is this similar to that? Runs everything on, is this similar to that? And if it is, we'll operate that way. Well, that's foolish because this is actually not the same as that, but the mind is wants to make things very simple and focus down. So cortisol is great for giving you focus. It's bad because it gives you focus oftentimes on the wrong thing. So the adrenal response to that can be terrible. Now, if you are an A-type, high-stressed individual, then you've learned probably quite well to use that cortisol to help you to focus. But here's the thing. Any, any fractional amount that's too much, you no longer have access to creativity. See, because creativity does not exist in history. Threat exists in history. So your creative mind is focused on the prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain, is what you use to, to have higher levels of thinking to be creative. Cortisol removes the blood flow from that by 27%. What does that mean? It means you're 27% dumber in a high-stress situation, no matter who you are, including me, you, Einstein, doesn't matter. So all of us. So what we've got to do is keep the creativity flowing because when you're talking about post-traumatic stress growth, that's the ability to see the problem moving forward and how I can solve it moving forward, to have a preconcept of what is coming up that's going to be dangerous, a preconcept of problems you can solve that others are not seeing yet. That's different. So do you think that this um, post-traumatic growth uh, theory uh, is real? I mean, I mean, do you think that there are some people who are really benefiting from stress and they harness it correctly? I think there are people who have learned through their own trauma to um, do well in high-stress situations. So I, I talk a lot about this in my own work, in the private work that I do. So I'll give you a one-liner from mine, and I can explain it if you need. And, and that is this, that most people hide their trauma in success. Most believe, people who were that. traumatized yeah. in, through whatever situation in their childhoods or whatever it was, actually oftentimes become very high achievers. Now, the reason they become very high achievers is a lot of reasons for it. And if you want to argue with me, not you personally, Joel, although you can, or anybody, that's fine. You can argue all you want. It doesn't matter. It's still the fact that the way your brain works. So what happens is when you are traumatized, you are looking to be seen, heard, and valued. Because in the trauma, we feel invisible. It's not me. It's not my opinion. That's psychology. We feel invisible. So when we feel invisible, we want to be seen, heard, and valued. So we start doing more and more and more and more to be seen, heard, and valued. In fact, the more traumatized you are, you're going to go in one of two places because it always works in polarity, which is I'm invisible. I'm a piece of crap. I'm worth nothing. I might as well just throw in the towel, and many people do. And others become the highest performing individuals you'll ever meet because they're driven for that. 
Because so when I look at up, these people, I can see them doing that. And because they're covering up some emotion somewhere, right? Yeah. And, and please understand that's not nefarious. They're not doing it because they're trying to trick anybody. They're not even trying to trick themselves. Most of them don't even know. So when I work with people, as you know, the people I'm working with are very successful, extraordinarily successful, very high achievers, but there's a something niggling. There's like, mm, what is missing, Dov? I, I, like, I've done all this, and I can know I can, I can do so much more, but something missing. That something that's missing is, is what I call the disenfranchised parts of yourself. When you tap into that, you become enormously creative. So the example I give people is this. To understand, to become successful, you know this, Joel, you have to have a laser beam focus. You have to get so focused on what it is you want that everything else disappears, like a, like a sniper with a, with a laser beam. And everything else becomes merely a distraction and you don't go there. So what happens is parts of your own personality become disenfranchised. You move them to the side in order to hit the target. And those who choose to do that do extraordinarily well. The world looks at them and goes, oh, my God, you are so successful. And then they come to me and they go, I hit the target, and I've hit a 1,000 targets. And I keep getting bigger targets, and it works. I feel great for about five minutes, and then I don't. What's missing? And I say we need to take your focus from being laser beam, sniper-focused, to being microscopically focused. And they go, what do you mean? We need to look down the microscope and discover a whole universe that you didn't even know was there, which is all your disenfranchised parts, that you moved out of the way to be successful. And they go, well, if I focus on those, will I lose my, my uh, sniper focus? No. Here's what's really interesting about it. Once, because you already know how to do the, the laser beam focus, but when you bring the other parts back, you actually become more successful, but you also become fulfilled. So, so let's tie this back to this... Yeah. Uh, labor time bomb that's going to be going off that people are worried about. Yep. Um, are there things that uh, senior executives and companies can do to uh, get in the way or, you know, inter somehow intermediate with their best people uh, before they blow up and leave? Absolutely. So number one thing you have to do is you have to create space for your number one leaders to feel safe, to talk about what it is they're feeling Right. So, you know, like to what is it really like for you, Bob? What is it really like for you, Margaret? Well, I'm great. You know, I'm just looking after my people. Yeah, I know that. And you're doing a spectacular job. But just for a minute, let's drop that I'm the CEO and you're the uh, SVP. Let's drop that I'm the this and you're the that. Just as a human, what is this like for you right now? What's it been like? How's it been on your family, man? How's it been on your family? You know, you, Susan, you're trying to homeschool kids and, you know, the, the kids have not been in school and you've had to take care of them and you've got 40 people you're taking care of. What's that been like for you? You know, I, I can think of a dozen reasons why um, people don't want to do that. Of course. Number, number one, uh, I don't want to confide in the boss. He might use that against me someday. The boss doesn't want to ask about the Susan's family because that's kind of against the employment laws and you're not allowed to pry about people's personal life. I mean, there's all these things that are problematic that really kind of get in the way of us having healthy relationships uh, at work. I mean, frequently, I mean, that's, uh, that's an issue. So how do you deal with that? So 
the the simplicity of it is this the rules have changed and if people don't get that they're going to go out of business the number one deciding factor of you succeeding in business whether that's as a multinational or whether that's as a one man one woman show is this relationship this is not something we're throwing around as a, a as a nice idea this is it relationship so what does that mean I want to give you a simple understanding of it for you as you listen to this. So I want you to think for a minute, think about somebody you've known for about five years who is your best friend, like a really good, trustworthy, super loyal friend. Think about that person. And I'm just making up a date of five years, but whatever you decide. But now I want you to think about somebody else you know who you've known for the same amount of time, but is merely an acquaintance. So you probably can find two people in your head you've known about the same amount of time. One on one side is an acquaintance, on the other side is a fiercely loyal, trusted friend. And I say, well, what makes the difference? Now, the automatic answer, if I hadn't a preset, that would have been, well, it's time. You know, I had more time. No, no, but time's out of the no, way. It's not, it, you know what it is? Uh, it's uh, willingness to invest. Uh, their willingness to maybe invest in me and get to know me. Uh, have some deeper relationship there. There's more trust there. You there may it. be more commonality there. I mean, I think I, I've got a couple of people in my mind and I can think of that exact situation. Um, so there's so also the simplicity some simplicity of it is though, there's just also so everybody chemistry. understands. There, there's also some chemistry there though, too. Yeah. But the, the actual fact is, this is the science of it, is that the key feature is reciprocity of vulnerability. We trust the people we're vulnerable with and the people who are vulnerable with us, we trust. That's it. So the difference between that acquaintance and your trusted friend is simply the level of vulnerability that has gone on between the two of you. That's it. Now, so when we take that now into, the, in the, into your question about dealing with your people, I have a simple rule for I teach my leaders. Leaders must go first. You're called a leader because not because you're telling people what to do. It's because you're the example of what to do. So leaders must go first. So it go like, might go like this. Can we just step out of the role of, of CEO and CFO? Or can we just step out of the role of senior vice president versus um, whatever it is? Okay. You know, I just want you to know for a minute that you have done a spectacular job at what you've done. And you, you've managed your people really well. But this situation has not been easy for anyone. Now, we've been fortunate. Maybe we've done well or whatever it is. But it's not been easy. Everybody has had to turn on a dime. And it's been stressful and it's been difficult. And I want you to know that it's been difficult on me too. See, I'm going first now. I want you to know it's been difficult on me too. You know, sometimes I'm, at, you, you know, sometimes I'm in a Zoom meeting and the dog comes in or the cat's ass walks past the, the microphone and the camera or one of my kids is screaming in the background. You know, I'm trying to hold my composure and my compassion, but sometimes that creates a cortisol level in me, a level of stress in me that's difficult because I'm still trying to be that guy. And I can't always be that guy. What's it been like for you, Susan? What's it been like for you? Margaret, what's it been like for you, Bob? What's it been like for you, Steve? The leader must go first. And, and once that person responds, you measure how much they responded. So how deep was that? 
And then you respond again with something else that was an equal measure to theirs because it has to be reciprocal vulnerability. And you keep building on that. So you must have one call a week with that person that's got nothing to do with business and everything to do with humanity. If you do that, you won't lose that person. If you do, you will. So is this the kind of thing that uh, that a leader does with his or her direct reports? I mean, how do you how do you decide decide you do it I'm with your direct thinking, reports and your direct say, reports that, do it with their direct reports? So let's say that a CEO has four or five of these people uh, and and they don't get along with all four or five of them equally well. I mean, just by nature, you're going to get along with a couple of them really well and a couple of them okay. Sure. Uh, can you assign the uh, the get along discussion to somebody else, or you have nope. to work on that yourself? Must be you. And if you go, well, I don't like I don't like Bob. I have an answer for you. Get over it. Yeah. Well, or or, or reorganize. You know. <laughs> get over it. Find a way. Because yeah. you've got to find that common ground. And by the way, if you do this and you don't get along well with Bob and you do this, you'll get along a lot better with Bob. Yeah. And Bob will be better for you and it'd be better for your team because you'll think, you'll know you give a shit. That's what counts. People, listen, if you want to, you, you and I know this, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. We stay with companies. The, the research is in. I wrote about it in my last book, Fiercely Loyal. Not only do people not leave bosses, but people will stay with companies that don't pay them as well as other companies because money doesn't matter. Relationships do. Money matters, but only to a point. Relationships matter. I want to know that I am cared for. I want to know that people love me. I want to know that people actually know who my kids are and that they're struggling with something. Like if you don't bother to take that initiative, if you think you're too big and too mighty and too powerful, you're going down like the Titanic. Yeah. You know, listen, I, I know all those things. <clears throat> I've heard them over and over again. And, and most important about it is that those people who you care for are the ones that are going to produce the best ideas, the best relationships with customers. Uh, they're just going to produce for you over and over again. But it seems to be a big problem even still, uh, maybe because asking those kinds of penetrating questions doesn't come natural. Maybe it's because attorneys are telling people don't have those kinds of discussions. They're too dangerous. Uh, and by the way, attorneys should not be running companies unless they're the president of the company. <laughs> unless it's a law firm. <laughs> unless it's a law firm, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of advice, uh, I get it, is, is safer from a legal perspective. It ultimately may not, uh, you know, work out. And that's not legal advice because neither of us are attorneys, I imagine. But, uh, but that's, that's how that is. So, uh, so what, are you, uh, what are you seeing? Are you seeing people and companies able to respond in a good way during this pandemic environment? Or are you seeing them uh, fail and that's going to cause the demise of some of these organizations? Well, definitely the failure is going to happen and you're going to see this. I mean, people are going to, they're going to choose, they're going to choose to be legally safe and be business in, in put their business in tremendous danger. It's exactly the opposite of what they think. They're going, I'm going to be legally safe and that way my company won't be in danger because I'm not going to have these personal conversations. And if you don't, you will put your business in enormous amounts of danger. It's just, you know, let's, let's add another layer to this. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on your show. Uh, and we were talking about trends. And one of the trends uh, is this whole work from home phenomenon. 
And the fact that people can work from home means that they can work in other cities. So companies are going to be uh, not restricted to 20 miles radius. Uh, they may have the whole United States or even the whole world available to them as long as they have language barriers, time zone barriers, and things under control. Uh, and so companies can go poach the best people. And the best people now can go get uh, salaries and they can get uh, environments that they want to in other parts of the country or around the world. So uh, I think that besides all the reasons that you're saying uh, companies need to be worried, they need to be worried about the ability of employees to uh, be migrated to other environments, all the more reason to do exactly what you're saying, which uh, to me, what you're saying is the inside track on, on developing these kinds of relationships, the best, smartest, and fastest way uh, to have these kind of high level relationships with your best people is by being a little vulnerable. That was a great, a great thing and, and getting to know them. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joel. Um, again, it's what I talked about in Fiercely Loyal because, um, you know, the before the pandemic, before all this stuff that blew up, you know, there was, uh, there's a, there's a quote, uh, um, and it says that the, when it comes to the war on talent, talent won. <laughs> talent has all the power, has all the choices. Now, a lot of leaders are going, oh, great. Now the power switched and we've got the power again because people are afraid of losing their jobs. Yep. That's true at this minute. But the minute there's any, you know, that people might be afraid of their jobs and they won't quit because they're afraid. Oh, that's true. Okay. I'll give you that. But the minute there's a sense of stabilization, that power that the, the, uh, the talent had is magnified by exactly the reasons you said. Because now they're saying, okay, well, now I don't have to drive to work. I don't have to commute. I don't have to insure a car. I don't have to put gas in it. I don't have to, I don't have to spend an hour and a half in traffic each way. I don't have to do any of that. I can work from home. I am very effective now. And you know what? I'm happy to work for that company in Sweden. That <laughs> hey, look, you know, you don't even have to, uh, you know, uh, miss three days of work to go on an airplane and have an appointment to do an interview. You know, no. you could you could have that interview uh, during the middle of your day or whatever part of the day, and no one even knows for the different. You know, so uh, it, it's the world has changed. Now, there's kind of a I guess there's some degrees. Uh, of the very best people never ever have to worry about their job. The best people always land on their feet. There's some tier below that though. The the kind of the mediocres that uh, that's not really where the war on talent's going to be in the mediocres, isn't? Don't you think it's going to be kind of near the top? Yeah, I th I think that 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 I think that when you talk about it that way, that the truth of the matter is that I think the war on talent goes from the very bottom to the very top. It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm seeing that because they're saying, you know, uh, I have an account, uh, a, a financial advisory firm that I work with, and it's very difficult for them to find somebody to work on the front desk. Right back, you know, before the pandemic, it was very difficult for them to find somebody to work on the front desk because the talent had the power uh you know well now there may be less front desk opportunities period <laughs> but but the truth of the matter is they've always had that power there's just it the levels of of the quality of the work you do and the quality of of output you can create of course magnifies that plus what we've just talked about now which is a freedom around location doesn't matter it's irrelevant and on top of that, you don't give a crap about me. Well, I'm going somewhere else. Now, again, I want to remind people, $73,000 US 
is the limit on money for what matters. That is prorated depending on where you live. So for instance, I live in one of the most expensive places in the world, Vancouver, Canada. It's insanely expensive. 73 grand a year is not going to get you much. But 73 grand a year, if you're in Arkansas, if you're in a small town, you buy a big property because you can for the same thing you had in an apartment. I mean, people are moving from New York City to um, Northern Carolina. The weather's milder. They can buy stuff at a fraction of the cost. And they go, okay. So now that 73 grand is going a lot further for them. So money is always prorated to where you live. That's number one. So once you're over that and you're over taking care of the basic needs, now it becomes about relationships. So somebody will say, well, of course, I'll work somewhere else for 10 grand a year less. Why wouldn't I? These people actually care or I'm getting part of the company. I get buy-in. This is going to be that plus the stress factor that I talked about at the opening of the show. It's going to be devastating for these companies. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, a, a lot of things have changed and they've changed forever because of this pandemic. And Absolutely. Fluence, the fluidness of how employees are going to move between companies and how companies can find employees and uh, the way that recruitment is going to happen. Uh, it really changes the, uh, the way things uh, happen and what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And this is a permanent change. And, and I really imagine uh, that the relationship factor that you bring up is going to be, uh, you know, 10 times more important than it's ever been. So uh, that's the inside track. And, and we thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joel. It's been a pleasure and honor to be here with you. And I would just want to encourage the people who do listen to this show to please, you know, Joel takes the time to find you great guests and, and give you this input. And the guests he brings on are people like me. You know, our time is not free. We pay, charge a lot of money for our time and you get to have these insights. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Go to wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, subscribe to Joel's show, listen to this, share it with others. And then I want you to do something because this is not a one-way track. I want you to write to Joel and tell him what you got out of this. Tell him what you're going to do with it because information is worth the hole in the donut. Transformation comes from application. What are you going to do with it? So write to him. You know his email address. Write to him. Tell him about what you got out of the show, what you're going to do with it. You can write to me, dov, D-O-V, at dovbaron.com. So D-O-V at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. I know I'm crazy. I give you my personal email address. Tell me what you got out of it. Tell me what you're going to do with it. Tell Joel. You can CC us. And on top of that, share the show with everybody you know, because this is not about hoarding. This is about expanding and giving out so that you can make the world a better place. You have a responsibility to that as a leader. Dev, you're the man. You know, uh, I don't think anybody's ever made a commercial at the end of the show for the show. So uh, that, that was very cool of you to do. Thank you very much. And listen, man, thank you very much for being on the show. And, and thank you for being my friend. My absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. 
How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Autovita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.